Are you ready or you need more time? No, we're ready. Sometimes my kids tell me, Ma, baby, something. They go, okay, not today because mom no make money today. Hello, ladies, how are you? Lupe is a server at Cisco's restaurant, bakery and bar in Austin, Texas. One of many workers around the country who makes the federal minimum wage for tipped workers, which is $2.13 an hour, a rate that's been in place since 1991. There's no real economic theory that came up with $2.13 an hour. It's just no good reason that we haven't moved away from that. There are about five and a half million tipped workers in the United States. Nobody's making you work as a tipped wage employee. While restaurant owners across the country might want to be paying their employees higher wages, some, like the owner of Cisco's here in Austin, Texas, say they just simply can't afford to do so. At the end of the day, if we were to increase our minimum wage internally, we have to then pass that off to the customer, which then likely probably tips less. Wages across the economy in the lower third of the economy have been artificially suppressed for way too long. If you want people to work in these jobs, we have to pay them and not force them to rely on tips. While some states have set their own minimum wages and the minimum wage for tipped workers is higher than the federal requirement, it's often not a living wage. 43 states have a lower minimum wage for tipped workers than non-tipped workers, meaning the percentage you're tapping on that tablet might not just be a thank you, great job, but instead, what brings that worker to making minimum wage? A tip should be what a tip was always meant to be, a small amount on top, a gratuity. Matt Cisneros' grandfather, Rudy Cisneros, opened Cisco's restaurant, bakery, and bar in 1950 in Austin, Texas, one of 16 states that adhere to the federal minimum wage for tipped workers. Here's how it works. The federal minimum wage is $7.25 per hour, but if you're a tipped worker, it's $2.13 per hour, also referred to as the sub-minimum wage. The difference between the two, $5.12, is called a tip credit. If a worker doesn't receive $5.12 an hour in tips, the employer is responsible for paying them that difference. That's the law. Most consumers have no idea that every time you tip in a restaurant in most states, it cuts against the worker's wage, rather than being something on top of the wage. Lupe, who's been working at Cisco's for 10 years, makes the federal sub-minimum wage of $2.13 an hour. She works alongside her mother-in-law and cousin. She told us while there are days when she makes only $30 in tips, she typically makes about $200. It's difficult knowing if somebody goes home not making a lot of money. You can have a good day at work being a banker and you can have a bad day at work. Same goes for a pharmacist or anyone. Wages are fluid, but I think if you work hard, you're going to get tipped more. Cisneros says when he and his partners took over the restaurant in 2017, it wasn't profitable. Wasn't something that we bought being like, oh, we're, we're, we've got some honey hole here. We bought history that we knew continued to live. We're here to ensure everybody has a very fair, livable wage and can go home to their families and look in the eyes and be proud of where they work. Between 2018 and 2022, annual revenue nearly doubled. Their goal? is a 10% net profit margin. 10% is a lot higher than a lot of other restaurants. Why not raise the wage? There's months that we don't get anywhere near that margin. It's a little bit more of chess that we're playing. So our revenue is not what a lot of restaurants are, right? So if you're at a barbecue place, you're probably doing 
$10 million a year in revenue. Like, while they might operate on a lower margin, they still probably net a lot more than we do. We have to ensure that our margins are around where they are. Otherwise, like this business is not functional. In 2022, labor alone accounted for nearly half of the restaurant's total costs. Cisneros told me he and his partners have never taken out a salary from the restaurant. He has a full-time job as the founder and president of Backyard Ventures, an advertising partnerships business. This is to feed all of the families that work within these walls and continue the lineage of the restaurant operating. While we'd love for everyone to make as much as possible with a guaranteed minimum, the end result is the, the domino effect of having to raise prices across the board, which then pushes you know, some friction or resistance to your customers. As of 2023, only seven states have eliminated the subminimum wage. Saru J. Raman is the founder and president of One Fair Wage, an organization seeking to end all subminimum wages in the country and increase the sustainability of wages and working conditions in the service sector. These states actually have the same, or in many cases, higher restaurant industry business growth, small business growth rates, job growth rates in the restaurant industry, people of color own business rates, women of color own business rates, and tipping averages than the rest of the country. The nation's third largest city and foodie capital, Chicago, is the latest to make the move. It's complicated, and so is the definition of a tipped worker. An employee engaged in an occupation in which they customarily and regularly receive more than $30 a month in tips. Nowadays, that's a lot of people. And consumers aren't responding positively to this shift. In the second quarter of 2023, tipping at full-service restaurants fell to the lowest level since the start of the pandemic. I don't think people realize how impactful that tip can be solely because they're so accustomed to tipping everywhere now. That's gonna hurt businesses. That's gonna hurt people who actually are working really, really hard and busting to pay for their families because you tipped down the street at your doctor's office or something random like that. Every day, Cisco's workers report their tips to management. That's how the tip credit obligation is monitored. While that may work here, there's no governing body making sure that happens everywhere. Nobody ever stops the clock and says, okay, let's sit down over all of their different and varying shifts. How much did they earn in tips? From 2010 to 2019, more than 85% of investigated full-service restaurants and bars had some type of a violation. And one in 10 violated a Fair Labor Standards Act law, which establishes minimum wage, among other things. During those years, the government recovered nearly $115 million in back wages for all violations across the two industries, and about $114 million in back wages for FLSA violations specifically. It's risky to go to your boss and say you owe money. Is anybody going to do that? Because now you're going to get on the really less lucrative shifts. Andy Puzder is the former CEO of CKE Restaurants. While there, in 2017, the company was slapped with a $1.45 million fine for failing to pay minimum wage in LA. He was also former President Trump's nominee for labor secretary, but withdrew from consideration in 2017 following bipartisan opposition. He says the fine was a payroll mistake, and employees were paid back the owed wages. While fast food workers are not tipped employees, he doesn't believe there's a need to raise either minimum wage, a belief he's been public about for years. Nobody makes $7.25 an hour. I'd be surprised if half a percent of the employees in the United States make the federal minimum wage. I'm up in northern Michigan right now and I drove by a McDonald's and the sign in the window is $21 an hour. Minimum wages have become irrelevant because we've had such incredible growth in wages driven by market demand for employees. In 2022, more than 1 million workers made the federal minimum wage of $7.25 or less. This point in time is also an anomaly. 
the world just went through a global pandemic. What happens when the market changes and there's less competition for these workers? We don't know how long this is going to last. We know the next recession is always on its way. We don't know when it's coming. But I would say we should really increase the minimum wages right now. Lock in the gains that they have made through this COVID reopening. Those in the service industry were also some of the workers most affected by the pandemic. There was no such thing as work from home. Not only was there increased harassment, but also a higher risk of getting sick. 68% of those who died from COVID-19 during the first year of the pandemic were adults employed in labor, service, and retail jobs that required on-site attendance and prolonged close contact with others. Hundreds of thousands switched industries, and many of those who stayed demanded higher wages. For the first time since emancipation, millions of workers have walked off the job out of the restaurant industry, are refusing to come back. During the pandemic, so many of them realized that getting a subminimum wage doesn't work for them. Meanwhile, most tipped workers are minorities. About 70% are women and more than 40% are people of color. They struggle with three times the poverty rate of other workers and experience the absolute highest rates of sexual harassment. Tipping versus not tipping, mm -hmm. which would be a simple conversation and not unpleasant at all. Just like in Hulu's The Bear, at the end of the day, how to pay employees is really up to those running the business. Some get creative, like at Locadoro, also in Austin, Texas. When Adam Orman and his partner Fiore Tedesco opened this place in 2016, uh, paying yeah. just the minimum wage wasn't an option. A 20% hospitality charge is included on every check. The tip minimum wage comes from a legacy of slavery. That alone is enough of a reason to know that this is not something that we want to have anything to do with. But that legacy has kind of infected the way tipping exists now as well. There's a dimension to tipping where tips are more dependent on the sex, gender, and race of your server than they are on the quality of service. At this Italian-inspired neighborhood restaurant, employees who would typically be tipped workers are paid $17 to $28 an hour based on experience and skill set. It's so relieving being able to come into work and realizing that my livelihood is not dependent on the generosity of people who decide to eat out. At restaurants Evan Gotchling worked at in the past, he made $2.13 an hour. He says with the cost of living in Austin, it's not sustainable. I wouldn't be able to live here with a child. It's not dependable, depending on how busy it's gonna be that day and if there's weather involved and how much business you have. You just don't make any money that day, and then it gets subsidized by your other days. So if you have a really good day, you're actually paying yourself back on the slow days. We don't think that 213 is a wage that anybody in Austin, Texas should be making. If you have a good time here, if Maddie makes good drinks, by all means, leave a couple bucks, but that is not how she is getting paid. That is not how anybody in this restaurant is getting paid. They're making a proper hourly, no matter what happens during the course of the night. I think that's great. The charge also ensures employees receive membership to a direct primary care clinic, subsidized mental health counseling, and paid time off. Which is nothing I've ever seen in the restaurant industry. Corner. Behind. And then the tip is a tip. It's optional. And then it's distributed to the staff based on hours worked. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> um, it's not. This was how we opened. We knew that we couldn't just raise prices and try and convince people that the tip was included because there were too many headwinds. 
In 2022, the restaurant's net profit margin was negative 1%. They're projecting that number to be more like 2 or 3% in 2023. That includes both partners' salaries, which are roughly 10% of the restaurant's annual revenue. Our margins are extremely thin. Labor is the one that we've chosen to spend more on. Food is the one that's hardest for us to wrangle, and those are the ones that we can't get around. Heavy cream went up 140% from one pay period to the next in our ordering, which is bonkers. Um, credit card fees have gone up. It's hard. We are kind of a break-even model. In terms of just supporting your family, is this all worth it? I did not think that it would be like this. I knew that it was gonna be hard, but I didn't know that it was gonna be hard in this way, and I didn't know that I was gonna spend as much time being a labor advocate as I am, but that makes it incredibly worthwhile. Orman and his employees say this wage model is about so much more than what's on the surface. It encourages a greater team effort. It brings everyone together. It's a well-oiled machine. We're all working for the same thing. It doesn't matter if my position is bartending. I'm so happy to turn around and run food to a table. But they acknowledge it's not for everyone. We've gotten feedback, people thinking that it's sneaky, uh, people thinking that we are going behind their back to charge them for something that they didn't consent to. However, we try to be as transparent as possible. It's clearly stated on the restaurant's website, menu, and each check that a 20% hospitality charge is included. If you consider yourself a foodie, you know the name Danny Meyer, founder and executive chairman of Union Square Hospitality Group. In October 2015, he announced the elimination of tips at 13 of his New York City restaurants. And these are, you know, restaurant tabs that are $500 or $1,000 or more. Then in 2020? We actually reverted, and so now our dining room members do accept tips. Meyer's just one of many restaurant owners who eliminated tipping over the years. And since then, nearly all have gone back to tipping. There's a lot of feeling that you've taken out the wind of my sails of being a server I can, I can make a really great income, largely because of my tips as a bartender or as a server. Diners objected to the higher prices, and an estimated 30 to 40% of servers quit, often going to competing restaurants that kept tips. That's why Cisneros believes his staff, too, is better off with tips. Loyal customers that come here, they do take care of the staff because they know that they're really, really good people who've worked here for a long time. We've been around for 70 plus years and it's somehow worked for that long. So we're not stopping because of that reason. While it may hurt, we're gonna do everything we can to make sure these people, which we consider family, make money. I get that this is maybe the one place where customers feel like they still have control over their experience. You don't get to decide how much the, the pilot makes or the flight attendant makes when, you're, when you have a bad experience on a, on a plane. Some might say there's an obvious fix. Raise the minimum wage so that no one, not just tipped workers, have to rely on tips. And tips can simply be, well, tips. One of the reasons why these tablets that then are, are swung around in your face and asked, do you want to leave a tip, are because a lot of these workers are still low-wage workers, even if they're making a minimum wage in a place that has a higher minimum wage. If we don't want to see tipping in every environment we walk into, we have to get rid of this sub-minimum wage. It's the only way to end the incentive for employers to introduce tipping into any and every environment in which we purchase something. Others? don't believe raising the minimum wage is necessary. Because we've had such incredible 
growth in wages driven by market demand for employees. I would recommend very strongly that with the 9 million job openings that we currently have in the United States and the strong demand for employees, they go to a different job. It's not always the government's job to solve everybody's problem. It's not as easy as that, and it's certainly easier for me as a white man to go in places, have more interviews, um, and get hired places than other people that I know who aren't. Those opposed to raising the minimum wage argue it would cause employers to cut the number of hours each employee works to compensate, and consequently, have them actually making less. They're also worried a raise will eliminate jobs. A worker would have to work a lot less if they're going to earn $15 an hour versus $7.25 an hour to actually come out on the losing end of that. As long as you raise it to a point where it doesn't kill entry-level jobs, you're okay. If you get ahead of the market to the point where a minimum wage is killing jobs for people that are trying to enter the labor force, well, now you're being counterproductive. Restaurant owners have such thin margins. Where would this money come from? They can raise prices, but the price increases of minimum and subminimum wage increases are much less than the actual increases. You hear a lot, well, if you increase the minimum wage by 30%, you increase prices by 30% in restaurants. Well, that's not true. There's smart ways to do this, phase-ins and, and making sure that we want businesses to stay whole. According to advocates, if the tipped minimum wage was raised to 15 the price of food would only increase by 25 cents a day for the average American household. They believe the benefits will outweigh the 25 cent increase. Economists say what matters most is the overall cost-benefit analysis, and that what the country needs is a slow and steady reform process. No drastic changes. It's important to remember that there are costs to not changing our norms too. Far too many workers simply can't meet basic needs. That has a cost. If you increase the wage, they spend that money. That becomes a stimulus. Americans interested in this debate should get involved. Contact your public officials and vote. And in the meantime, educate yourselves. And don't make the server standing behind the tablet out to be the bad guy or person. Please understand how undervalued our employees have been for so long. These are real human beings that are going home, dealing with things the same way you are. Ultimately, I really want all of our staff to make as much money as they can. The goal here is to continue to grow, but not have to charge people an arm and a leg to come have a really good meal. Continue to support your small businesses, your local businesses, because that's the heart of the city. And I think if we do that, then things fall into place.